When the Milwaukee Bucks chose not to take the floor on Wednesday, they not only sent a powerful message, but set off a series of cancellations across North American sports. Our NBA writer, John Lombardo, is here to take us inside the events of that extraordinary day and to discuss their impact. Then we'll be joined by executive editor and publisher, Abe Madcor. That and whatever else comes up once we get talking here in the far-flung work-from-home newsroom of Sports Business Journal. I'm Bill King, and this is First Look. Last week, players across sports reminded us of the power of what many of them have come to view as a platform. It all began late Wednesday afternoon when, driven by sadness and outrage over yet another shooting of a black man by a police officer, this time in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Bucks remained in their locker room as time came to tip off their playoff game against the Orlando Magic. Across sports, other teams and athletes followed suit. In a year unlike any before it came yet one more day, unlike any before it. In to take us inside that extraordinary afternoon is our NBA writer, John Lombardo. John, it it was extraordinary, not because of sort of the social ramifications uh, and and the fact that it led to a walkout really across sports and postponements across sports, but it really did happen in the people closest to it, other than those within that locker room, really didn't find out until two teams or until one of those teams didn't take the floor. The Orlando Magic had taken the floor and were warming up. But there, so so maybe in the building, there was a little sense like, where's Milwaukee? Um, but to the rest of the world, including those in Milwaukee, that wasn't necessarily being conveyed. You spoke with both team presidents and, and lots of other people. Take us through that day and really how sort of suddenly it came together. Well, first of all, there had been a lot of, this had been sort of bubbling up, right? This, what, what the players might do the day before and the Raptors were talking about perhaps not playing. And there's just the, 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 it was, the issue was just starting to kind of bubble up in Orlando. I think that, you know, on, on Wednesday, the, the day of the game, things were starting to gather steam. I, I, you know, the magic had no idea, you know, in Milwaukee, the team had already been talking about this being an issue, you know, Kenosha being so close to Milwaukee right. and the players and, 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 you know, what can we do and what should we do? And there was all this sort of talk, but so, but the timing was so sudden in, 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 in at the arena, you know, not playing, right. It wasn't, it wasn't a planned, you know, publicly planned boycott. And I think that's what caught so many people, including the magic off guard. I mean, I think that, look, I think the, the Bucks had an inkling just given the conversations that were going on, but it was the timing, Bill, right. that, that really kind of struck so loudly. So, you know, the magic, they just, you know, 20 minutes before the game, they said, hey, where are the Bucks?" right? They're not here. And then obviously the call started coming and, you know, message was sent very loudly. And then it was just so interesting just to see how quickly this thing snowballed across the industry very quickly, really. And it became such an issue for other sports and and everybody else decided, you know, acting their own ways and it grew and became this really historic kind of day in sports. It was, you, you spoke with Peter Fagan, the the president of the box who was back in Milwaukee, right? Yeah, he's in Milwaukee. 
you know, he had been in contact with the team, of course. And it, it was, again, it was just the timing right before the game. And I think that's, you know, you have to say it was very effective in terms of, of, of how loud and how, how this thing echoed around. And, you know, then they became, you know, the, the other NBA teams jumped, were playing that day, the Lakers and, and, and the Rockets and everyone. Really, they follow suit. And, and I think that other teams, if they would have known, it would have followed, would have, would have done the same thing if they knew that, you know, it could have been a, they could have also joined the Bucks. But the Bucks chose to, to do this, you know, as a team on their own. And, you know, it triggered such an avalanche of, of other protests. So, so if you're the president of the Bucks, what's that like? What was his? Day? Yeah, I mean, I think that again, I, I think the Bucks they had been talking about this issue amongst the team in and around their team. That's what Peter had told me. But I think that they were, you know, with the timing being right before the game, then they got on the phone talking to the owners and, and talking to the, and the NBA and talking to everybody, and and it was a very, very effective boycott in terms of how everybody else saw what they did and, you know, began to do the same thing, not just in the NBA, but across everywhere, really. No, I think it, it, it certainly accomplished that. Alex Martins, the president of the Magic, was in the building, right? I mean, they're in Orlando. He was he was there, correct? Yeah, he was there. They had that secondary bubble, like eight rows back. You know, it's in plexiglass, kind of protect, you know, with his watching the game, ready to watch the game. And, you know, of course, when the team isn't on the floor before the game, he you know, kind of got a sense of what was going on. And then people started to call and, you know, within the actual, well, in, in the locker room area where he wasn't. And it just took off from there. How, I, what about at, at the, at the league level? I mean, what was, what, what was going on there? Is that, is, is that Adam Silver then getting on the phone with key owners around the league? Is that, how, how does, how does that play out? Because really, you know, what you know is that one team is not playing and, and another team has chosen not to take a forfeit and they're not playing either. And then that is going to sort of trickle down to others saying they're not playing and not playing the next day. Um, so all that is starting to happen. And mm-hmm. at some point, Obviously, there's a question about whether or not this is going to derail your playoffs, and and these guys might be, these might be getting these guys might be getting in, uh, you know, getting in head, heading to to you know private jet ports the next morning if if this doesn't go a certain way, right? Right, and that's why the league and well, the players immediately schedule a meeting. The union, Chris Paul, led by Chris Paul and Michelle Roberts, they scheduled their own meeting that night, and then. Obviously, the league, talking to all their owners, they scheduled that Board of Governors meeting separately the next day. And, you know, I think, Bill, I think they're, you know, it's one, someone told me that the union, Chris Paul, Michelle, and the league, obviously led by Adam, there's a strong relationship there. And I don't know what would have happened if there wasn't that relationship and in terms of how this would have worked out. But I think after, after the players met and after a night and they sort of realized that really by staying the platform, such a, such a high, profile, high profile platform, I think that they had learned that, you know, owners are going to help them with further actions, whatever that may be, conversations. Uh, and I think that 
once things calmed down and the emotion of it maybe all settled a little bit, you know, they decided that to play on. Um, and I think that, that, um, you know, having a night to kind of, after they initially met and having that night to reconvene yesterday morning, Thursday morning and have the NBA have their own separate board of governors meetings, they were able to, 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 you know, discuss and talk it out. And I think that was really a reflection of the relationship between the union and the league. Do you think within ownership, look, there's, I've, I, I've never covered a league um, where there is unanimity, right? I mean, within ownership, there are always, I mean, these are, these are successful people who are used to calling, making a decision often by themselves, right? I mean, yes, sometimes they have a board that, they, that has to weigh in, but, but these are successful people, frequently entrepreneurial people. Um, who are all all of a sudden in a room and asked to work together? They're not necessarily going to have all the same view on this, right? How is that going? Was there any sentiment you think within the room that, hey, wait a minute, you know, we have an agreement. They're supposed to play. Um, you know, this could turn our schedule upside down if this starts to go on for two or three days. What are we going to do then? Um, what, what do you, it, it, as good a relationship as exists between the commissioner and the players association um is do, do you think there's that same unanimous view or even close to unanimous view or, around all those people who were on that board of governors call you know bill i think there is a across the board a shared feeling of allowing the players to really express themselves and, and, and support the players in this stuff. But there's also, if they didn't play, and I think this was explained to the players that there could be you know, ramifications to the salary cap and, and labor and a lockout and all could be, you know, they're pushing already. They're pushing back because they don't know what the league finances. They're pushing back, you know, free agency for next year and all the stuff because they just don't know, what the economics of the league are going to be. So that also factored into the concern of what this could have really, what damage this could have caused from an economic standpoint. But I have to say, people I talk to, I mean, these owners all support these players I mean, and, and, and their causes, and they are going to actually do more to help them in, in whatever further sort of social justice efforts they want to undertake. Well, that's their frustration right now. I mean, if you think about it, right, that's the player's frustration. They, they've done all these things, right? They did all these things that they were, you know, really um, proud of. And yet, you know, what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And you could see um, so, sort of the, the realization that, and, and this goes back to, the message at the very beginning of this, right? When when players were talking about whether they should even come back at all. It's one thing to issue a statement. It's one thing. It's another thing, better, to put some resources behind that statement, maybe put some finances behind that statement. But there's still another bridge to cross before you get to tangible action. Tangible action at a, in a state house, for example, did they? Do you think that the indication that they're the fact that they're back is an indication that they think that they've moved in that direction through this action? Well, I think that 
by resuming the postseason, I think that that a lot of these teams are going to help these players get access to important voices in particular states and wherever they feel like it, it's needed. You know, I think it's going to be at least one 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 NBA agent told us that that's going to be you know, they're going to help with the process of communication even further. You know, at the at state levels or wherever they think it's needed. Uh, and you know, being in Disney and the 13 teams that are there, it's still a very big platform. And does that platform diminish if everybody goes their own ways? And you know, is it, do they are they able to use you know the next remaining part of the postseason also as a you know, much larger platform? It's a platform amplified even more now. And especially Bill, as this thing just cascaded across other leagues and other teams. And so I think that there's a sense that. You know, they're able to really kind of even amplify more their voice and their their feelings by this bubble in Orlando. Where do you think this goes from here? I mean, they'll get back to playing now. Um, but uh, but but now what? Yeah, I, I, I think that the owners are going to work with the players to establish even more steps to help them and in social justice efforts. Um, I think that, you know, as somebody told me yesterday, what happens if there's another police shooting? That's right. And we don't know. I mean, I don't, that, that, you know, who knows, but I mean, I, I, I think that initially, you know, they're, they, the players have agreed to stay in Disney because of their working with the teams and owners and the league to even, voice their views and their their social platform even louder and bigger yeah because there's a as this goes on and as these te- and this isn't just the nba by the way um the, the, you know roll this over to baseball as well and then and then basketball still to come um you know the the uh, and, and maybe even hockey um we saw, you know, tennis shut down all those athletes who were sort of on the fence to begin with. And maybe it was on the fence because they really did want to be in their community, um, trying to make a difference on the issue that was most important to them. For some others, it may just be that they'd rather be with their family right now. They felt like they didn't need the money anyway, but they went, um, because that was, you know, there weren't going to be games unless everybody went. And so, just about everybody went. Is that, you think, a fragile dynamic as we move deeper and deeper and deeper, you know, across baseball as as games were canceled? How many of those guys woke up the next day and said, what are we doing? What are we doing? I mean, that's that's what I wonder because I think there was certainly, look, it's, it's really easy to forget that these are people. You know, these are people and, and we're all living this sort of bizarro world right now, but we're not in a bubble. Um, we may be in our little self-contained bubble and it may feel that way sometimes, but, um, it's not quite what those guys are living. I wonder if the fact that that might be wearing on a lot of players make this, makes this an even more fragile situation moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard, right? These, the players really have, like you said, they've been living in this really sequestered environment that brings its own stresses and they have their own lives. I do think that 
you know, now that they've had a chance, I think the meetings have helped. And I think that, that, you know, they were able to voice their concerns and frustrations and gain some, some assurances that there will be, you know, more help among the owners from what they want to do, but it's hard for these players. I mean, the families and everything else, just like issues and just like everybody else. I mean, sure. They're playing and, and playing in the playoffs and making money and all that stuff, but it's, it's, it's hard. And I think that, you know, you combine, you know, the, all of this stress and frustration and protest from, you know, socially what they're seeing, right. Seeing another, you know, police, police shooting. And you combine it with them being in this you know, really confined environment. Boy, that's, that's, it's, it's easy to understand their frustrations. You know, this is, we were both talking before we came on here about how like this made everything else seem really inconsequential, right? Everything else we're working on suddenly felt real inconsequential. Again, it's kind of like when we started writing about things other than the very simple question of the virus and whether it would be safe for players to return to the floor, or whether it would be safe to pe- for people to return to buildings, um, what sort of dangers there might be. It seemed like anything else that might happen around that just seemed inconsequential. And that it certainly felt that way earlier this week. Um, but, but now with games resuming, right, the playoffs do resume. This, it's impossible to say outside of this issue, what are you watching? But alongside this issue, let's phrase it that way. What are, what are you watching now as we get deeper into the playoffs and this thing starts to take a more defined shape and form well as it relates to the nba i'm just going to watch how the players are going to react going forward i mean i, I don't think there's you know, within the nba this is the big issue i mean i i mean i it's, it's how are they going to and what's what are the steps that 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 are going to come next in terms of what they can do from that platform standpoint uh, we don't, still don't know specifically what that is yet. So we'll be, I'll be watching that. I'll be watching, you know, how the league reacts and how the league communicates with the players moving forward, as well as all the teams. But Bill, I mean, this is this is the issue that eclipses everything else down there. It is, but if you were an, if you're a team and you were, were working on something Monday, are you working on it again today? I mean, if you're thinking about uh, okay, how are we doing with engaging fans in our market while while our team is away? How are we doing with our sponsors? How are we doing all those things? Those those ramp back out, up, right? What were those things when you were talking to people on Monday, for example? Right. I think exactly. I think that that, that there will be a return. I mean, you got there will that will return. I mean, how, how the business of the NBA operates, you know, at the team level will continue and how these teams are doing whatever they do to you know, engage their fans in this really weird time. That'll happen. I mean, I think for sure that'll happen. Do they feel but, like that was working and they're yeah, all going to be yeah, a little different? I think there was a sense that teams were engaging their fans. I mean, they were doing everything they possibly could with all of the technology and the virtual fan stuff and all the social media. And, and I think that there was a sense that they were you know, taking advantage of the opportunity and virtual signage and all those business things that really on Wednesday just felt, you know, like they didn't even. Yeah. Off the radar, happen. off the radar would be an understatement. Right. right. <laughs> so, but I think there's a return to that once the games start and along with the continued from the player's side, the continued focus on the social justice stuff. 
well, certainly one more step in changing a conversation that, you know, just a few years ago, um, there was, you know, I'm not sure there was even a clear understanding of what it was that Colin Kaepernick was doing in spite of the fact that he said it pretty clearly over and over again. Um, now maybe there's, there's a greater understanding of that. Um, I suspect that people will look back and think that the NBA's direction on this has, has had an impact in that regard. Well, I think there's a greater understanding. I think there's a greater acceptance. And I think there's a greater sense that there's a need for, for to impact change. And not just in the NBA, but as you see through all the leagues that have done this. And, you know, from the NHL, the MLB. So I think that there's, you know, the, the, the spotlight is, is definitely there. But I think it just points to the fact that there needs to be so much more that needs to be done as it relates to the to this issue. And I think that this remarkable week, I think really shows that there's just so much more that needs to be done. And it it shows, you know, it raises it raises the the standard. You know, that this is this is something that's unprecedented. You know, now you know, walking away from a game, boycotting. It's the most so powerful, it, shows, it is the most powerful statement that they could have made. Yeah, the, the, the powerful voice of, of, of what they did collectively. And I think that certainly shines a light on what even more that needs to be done as well. And, and, the, and the frustrations and maybe some more understanding, but yet also maybe perhaps just how much more that really needs to be addressed. Well, we're recording this on Friday morning. People will begin to hear it on Monday. The one thing we know is that uh, between now and then something will have changed uh, and it'll change again and it'll change again. That is just, uh, that's the story of 2020, isn't it? John Lombardo, our NBA writer. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Bill. First Look is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you're a fan of our podcast, subscribe on your mobile device to have First Look delivered right to your phone every Monday morning. Now, we turn to executive editor and publisher, Abe Madcor. Abe? Thank you, Bill. Hello, everyone. I'm Abe Madcor. Good to be with you again on First Look. Pretty short list of what I'm keeping an eye on easily. I am keeping an eye on, most closely, the power of players. Players show just how powerful they were last week, bringing sports to a stop, bringing attention to the issues of racial injustice, and they were heard. So I'm going to continue to watch how they use their voice. I will continue to watch how owners and league officials decide to work with players to amplify the issues of importance to the players. Last week, we saw that the NBA worked with the players to do a couple of things. One, they want to increase access to voting promote civic engagement, and advocating for meaningful police and criminal justice reform. They'll also push hard to have teams that own or control their arena to work with local officials to convert those facilities into voting locations. I anticipate you'll see many more teams do that. You also saw the players receive some very valuable inventory in free media. As the NBA, the players, and the NBA's network partners will create and include advertising spots in each NBA playoff game dedicated to promoting greater civic engagement in national and local elections and raising awareness around voter access and opportunity. So that's incredibly important to the players. That's what the players got. 
and we have to pay attention. Players are leading this charge. It's not owners. It's not commissioners. It's not fans. It is players. I'm also keeping an eye on how will NFL players respond. There's a growing sense late last week that some NFL players may move to strike during some games when they start in September. So I'll be really paying attention to how the league responds to players, how ownership listens to players and reacts. Will the NFL owners do the same thing NBA owners did? That is, listen to players and engage with players and come up with a plan and a process and a protocol and proposals going forward. So that's what I'm going to continue to watch. Second thing I'm going to continue to watch, where will Major League Baseball settle on what bubble they will use for the entirety of their postseason? Late last week, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred acknowledged that baseball and the Players Association have discussed one bubble in Southern California and another bubble in Texas. No decisions have been finalized, but they are obviously going to a bubbled postseason environment. Those markets are in play. I said before on our morning buzzcast, I thought it would be wonderful for the Texas Rangers and with their new ballpark, Globe Life Field, whether they could host a World Series or major postseason activity. I think that would be uh, a nice gesture considering that great ballpark open with nobody to see it. Final thing I'm continuing to keep an eye on, it won't be resolved anytime soon, but I'm a little fascinated by the ACC search for its next commissioner. They'll have big shoes to fill in replacing the retiring John Swafford. Last week, the ACC announced a 20-member advisory committee. It's going to be co-chaired by two university presidents, Nathan Hatch at Wake Forest and the Reverend John Jenkins at Notre Dame. They're very influential in that world, okay? Five ADs, though, are part of the committee, and that shows the influence that they have. Kevin White from Duke, Blake James from Miami, Heather Lake from Pittsburgh, Carla Williams from Virginia, and John Wildhack from Syracuse. So very influential ADs who will have a voice in the search for a new commissioner. And remember, our Michael Smith floated out some early names a couple of weeks ago. These are names that are often being bandied about in fun insider circles about who could replace John Swafford. Clemson Athletic Director Dan Radakovich is mentioned a lot. So is University of South Florida Athletic Director Michael Kelly. In addition, Notre Dame's Jack Schwarbrick has been mentioned. West Coast Conference Commissioner Gloria Navarez has been mentioned. And some long shots that have been mentioned, Oliver Luck, former West Virginia Athletic Director, and media executives Burke Magnus from ESPN. He is very familiar with the inner workings of the ACC, as well as former Fox Sports executive Randy Freer. All those names are fun speculation on who could potentially replace John Swafford. The ACC is working with Turnkey Search and Ventura Partners on the search. So those are some stories I'm watching. In addition, I want to remind people that Sports Business Journal has open nominations for new voices under 30. We're looking for some of the new talent, the new influencers, the fresh voices representing the next generation of sports business leadership. You can nominate someone by going to our website. We have ads on our website. You can go to those pages and nominate someone. You can also visit the link in our show notes and nominate yourself or nominate someone you know who you believe should be considered for our New Voices Under 30 program. So that is what I'm keeping an eye on, Bill King. I'll turn it back over to you. I hope everyone has a great week. Be safe, be grateful, and be good to each other. And I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Abe. That's going to do it for this week. For Abe Madcor, John Lombardo, and our producer, A.C. Wyatt, I'm Bill King, and this has been First Look. First Look.